You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Genesis 15, and we'll read from verse 1 to 6 as we begin our meditation for this morning. Genesis 15 from verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. This morning, we set aside the last Sunday of the month to bring thanksgiving, to bring appreciation. Not that we don't do that all the time, but especially it's a time that for the offerings as well, we dance out as an expression of thanksgiving and acknowledgement to God for his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. And oftentimes a day like this would come and somebody might be saying, what do I have? Somebody might be saying, what am I thanking God for? Somebody might be saying, this that I required of the Lord, it hasn't happened. The things I were expecting trusted, prayed for, fasted for, I haven't seen it. So why should I rejoice? But you know the Bible didn't say rejoice for the things God has given to you. When the Apostle Paul speaks to us, he says rejoice in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Rejoice where? In the Lord. That's Philippians chapter 4, I think verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. And then he said, again, again. Help me say to somebody, this morning, rejoice in the Lord. And tell the person again. I will say. You know, when I saw that, he said rejoice in the Lord. And I normally say rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. No, he said again, I will say rejoice. And you look at that and you begin to wonder, why should I be commanded to rejoice like that when there appears to be no reason or insufficient reason? Let me say insufficient because there are reasons. Praise the Lord. Insufficient reason. And we find in Abraham here as we begin our meditation, the Bible says, God appeared to him and said to him, Abraham, do not be afraid. Why should I not be afraid? Help me. What did he say to Abraham? I am your what? Shield. Your exceedingly great reward. That's why you should not be afraid. The same thing Paul is telling us. He said rejoice. And you're saying why should I rejoice? He said rejoice where? In the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me ask you. You've had your bath. You know, you don't need water on you. If you get out of your house and you're in the rain, what happens? You become wet. 
whether you want to be dry or not, because of where you are. Now, that statement in the Lord says, once you're in the Lord, it overtakes and cancels every private situation you have. Praise the Lord, somebody. It doesn't matter what is incense, what is raised, what is gathered. It doesn't matter. Once the location, your location is in the Lord. God said to Abraham, Abraham, I, God, I am what? Your exceedingly what? Great reward. And Abraham brought up an argument and said to the Lord, I know you have blessed me. I know you are good to me. But the problem is my generation. All these things you're saying you've done for me and you will do for me. It's a servant in my house that will inherit it. And God said to Abraham, come outside. Praise the Lord. Somebody needs to come outside today. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you on the theme, count your stars. Praise the Lord. He said to him what? Come outside. Abraham was in the house counting. And how many sons did he have at that time? Zero. Zero. But God said to him, don't count inside the house. He said, come outside. When he came outside, he said, look at the stars. And when Abraham knew, he said, if you can count the stars, so what shall your descendants be? The Christian, and this time is the first time God or the Holy Spirit put the word count in the scriptures. And for those of us that are Bible scholars, you understand what they call the principle of what? First mention. Now, this first time, we want to look at it so we can count well. How many of us have taken children? Okay. How many of us did nursery school? You did primary school? Ntakara. Eh? Praise the Lord. The one that the major thing you go to school with is lunchbox. No book, nothing. You just go there and cry. When you cry for some time, at 12 or 2, they'll come and pick you. But you see, there's something that they begin to teach them at that level. They begin to teach them what we may call alphabets and numbers. Praise the Lord. Alphabets and numbers. So after the child has gone for some time, the child comes back and begins to be able to say A for apple or A for apple, whatever they say, B for balloon, you know, and they start identifying. Now, all that identification that teaching them is not so that they stop there, it's to form a basis of their education further in life. Praise the Lord. So they teach them identification, which we'll call alphabets, and then they teach them the next one, which is numbers. They teach them counting. So after some time, I think it's in primary school that they now begin to say three. They draw three oranges and they say how many? And the child will say how many? Say three, isn't it? What has happened now is that this child has mastered identification and has gone on to what? Quantification. Praise the Lord. Now as a Christian, oftentimes we grow old in the faith without mastering identification and quantification. Are you in church with me today? Because Abraham, God said to him, Abraham, me, I'm your shield, okay? Me, I'm your what? Exceeding great reward. But Abraham said, I have counted all that I have, and I have zero sons. Abraham was failing in counting. Because when he was redirected and brought outside, the teacher said to him, no, you don't count what is in your house. You count what God said to you. Is somebody here with me today? You know, you don't count because what is in your house is temporal. It is passing away. But count my promise to you. You see, somebody will understand what we're saying. We are doing foundation now. We're doing Christianity nursery one. Are you with me? So he said to Abraham, Abraham, come out. You're going to get it. He said, Abraham, come out. He said, if you can count or number the stars, he said, that is how your descendants will be. Now look at verse 6. Look at what verse 6 says. The Bible says, and Abraham believed in the Lord. And what happened? God passed him. He went on to primary school. He promoted him. The moment Abraham agreed 
with God's standard, with God's pattern. The Bible says it was accounted to him for what? Righteousness. And this righteousness is right standing. It means we can now deal. Brethren, let me say something to us very clearly. When you become a Christian, the Bible says he that is in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. What? All things have become new. All things touches everything, how you count and what you count, your identification of things. Romans 12 verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be ye transformed by the renewing of... It means everything changes. The challenge we have as believers is that we have come into this faith and some very basic and primary things that we should reconfigure have remained unreconfigured. And so when the Bible says rejoice to the believer... The believer is going to count the same thing that the unbeliever is counting to see whether he or she has a right to rejoice. But if you understand the lesson that was taught Abraham here, the Bible says the just shall live by how? By, the just shall live by what? The Christians are what? Are we not the justified? We are the ones that have been cleansed and given right standing. So the Christian lives by faith. So God began to teach Abraham here a pattern. Now, how many are the descendants of Abraham? Does anybody know? We are uncountable, just like the stars. But at the time Abraham was there, what he had was zero. So it depends on what you're counting. If you count what is inside, what, is, what you can see, you probably get a count of zero. But if you count the word of God and count the things that are eternal, you will get infinity. And child of God... That is what you've been called to count. Let, let me try and move as quickly as I can. The, the Bible tells us of the man David, Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. David said, how precious, how precious also are what? Your thoughts to me, O God. He said, how great is what? No, I want you to do mathematics. What is some? Where, do you, where last did you hear the word some? You don't even hear some as you advance. What we deal with is total aggregate, Abby. Some is basic. He said, how great, what, is the sum, sum of what? Sum of God's thoughts. Somebody needs to rejoice this morning because of the sum, the thoughts of the Lord. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. You see, the unbeliever cannot rejoice because of the thoughts of the Lord. You know why? Because the wages of sin is what? Is death. The Bible says there is no peace for the wicked. It's like the troubled waters. Like the men, they say it shakes and shakes. But for the righteous, it says, I know the thoughts. And there are thoughts of good and not of evil. To bring you what? To a future and to an expected end. This morning, David is saying to us, when I counted the thoughts, the thoughts, are you together? Are you with me, please? Are we together? When I counted what? The thoughts, the thoughts. I didn't count my houses. I didn't count my children. I, I didn't count my money. I counted the thoughts. You know why? Because the thoughts of God towards you will outlast the things. He said, great is the sum of them. He went on and testified, got the same answer that Abraham got. He said, if I should count them, what will happen? They would be more in number than the sun. The same place. They are arriving at the same answer. Child of God, you and I have come into a kingdom. The Bible says since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, we have come into a kingdom where joy is our right. That's why the Bible says the kingdom of God is not in food and drinking. The spirit of God, I said, but we have to eat. He said that. He said God in his responsibility as creator, provides food and drink for all his creation. Do you know God even provides food for ants? For cockroaches? Praise the Lord. What are those terrible things you don't like? He pro for rats. Do you understand? As creator, he's that responsible to provide food for his creation. He provides for the beasts of the field. He provides for the wild animals. He provides for all of them. 
But you know what? For you and I that are his children, he said what I have for you is bigger than food and drink. So the Bible says for the kingdom of God, the kingdom says the promise, the place where I'm bringing you to is not about eating and drinking. But what? Righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. That is our guarantee. That is what separates us. That is what we rejoice about. We don't rejoice about food. Everybody who knows has a bit of common sense knows that what is common has no value. If everybody can get food from God, then why should I be jumping that I got food from God? Praise the Lord. So David here said, I count the thoughts this morning as we proceed in this beautiful year that God has brought us in. I want you to begin to count the thoughts, count the stars. You see, if you counted like Abraham, the sons in the house, you might come in depressed. You might go depressed. But my prayer is that before you leave church this morning, that something would have happened in you. You would have been quickened to begin to think the thoughts of the Lord. You see, when we're singing, it says, I will bless the Lord. So many things that's on. He said, he brought me out that he might do what? Bring me in. The songwriter says, he didn't bring me this far to do what? To leave me alone. No, he brought me that he might take me somewhere. So I am still on the journey. I'm still on the journey. I know the beautiful part of this thing, praise the Lord. If you travel by air and for some time you might have flown and had connecting flight. One of the things I don't like about flight, I don't mind connecting flights, but what I don't like about connecting flights is where I have to check out and carry my luggage and have to check in again. That's the part I don't like because in that process, there's stress. But if I'm connecting the different flights, but my luggage I will pick at my destination, I have no worry. The believer that's saying to you, this journey that you're on, don't worry about your luggage. When you arrive, every promise of God will be there waiting for you. It will be there. Because when he started, he had your destination in mind. He had your destination. So we don't worry. We don't fret. We, don't, we are not discouraged. How can we be discouraged? He says, struck down but not forsaken. We rise up because we know his thoughts. People of God, believers, this is one area that we have failed. We have failed in identification and counting. Some basic thing. So you're in the office, you go to the office, or last week you were in the office, or you were somewhere, and you were chatting with people. And as they were enumerating the issues and problems and all of that, you were identifying with them and agreeing with them, and all kinds of things were happening to your mind. But then the Bible says, no, that is not what you should do. The Bible says you should think about his faithfulness. You should rejoice in his faithfulness. You should remember the Lord your God. You should meditate on his works. When you think about what God has done, I tell you, depression has no room in your life. There's no room for it. And when you think, you know, we're still on David, thank you. When this man David, you know, you know, I think it was a few Sundays ago we said here that David was somebody who walked in the new, even though he was in the old. When David says something like this, brethren, we, we, we must understand that David was not preaching. It is a bit easy for me to stand here and say these things to you. But you see, David was a man who, in all measures, he had tried his best. The father gave him some few sheep, like the brother told us, to take care of. And in the process of taking care of this few sheep, a lion came and he said, I'm too faithful to let the lion, you know, mess up my sheepfold. So he went and fought the lion. The bear came, he went and fought the bear and preserved the sheep. Okay? The, the kingdom needed help. He went and fought Goliath. And, you know, after all of that, he was anointed king. Now, I don't know what you might be thinking. But if I were David, I didn't deserve running around in the wilderness as a fugitive. What he deserved was national honors. Do you understand? He didn't deserve Saul striking the javelin at him three times to kill him. He didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve the betrayal. He didn't deserve all of that. No, no. This man should have been a man that anywhere he was walking in Israel, people would be clapping and celebrating him. But the same man we know that at the time, even his own soldiers, 
His own men said the best thing is to kill David. But David is saying to you today, sister, David is saying to you today, brother, David is saying to you today, he says, I thought of the thoughts of the Lord towards me. I did not measure what I could see. I measured what is in the heart of God. Did the Bible say that I had not seen? That ear had not heard? Neither has it entered into the heart of man. What, what? What God has what? Prepared. I think the problem with us believers is that we are too interested in fast food. You see, fast food is made from a menu that existed maybe seven years ago. They don't have you in mind. You don't go to buy meat pie and they say, do you want salted or do you want it, you know, cream? Do you want uh, the, uh, cheese? No, 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 no. Because that thing is just, they're just mass producing it. So because we have that fast food mentality, any stop we get to and we don't see the meat pie, we think there is no plan. But the Bible is saying the God you serve has a prepared menu. It is made, some of us are pepperless, some of us are pepperful. Every design, every specification, God has put it. He said he knows there is a work going on. He said, I hasn't seen it. He hasn't heard it. Neither has it entered into the heart of man. What, what? God has what? Prepared in advance, prepared for you. Somebody here, you need to wake up in your spirit and begin to look at the things God has prepared and refuse to be discouraged over fast food. Are you with me? David could have been discouraged. He was in the wilderness, not for two years, not for two days. He was there running around. But something about David is this. When he got to the kingdom, the promise of God was that there will never lack a man of the seed of David upon this throne. For how long? Forever. What would you pay for that? What would you give for that? Child of God, you and I coming to church today must lift up our eyes. Must lift up our eyes. I'm quickly reminded to mention to us a, a lady whom we, we can actually use as a living example in our country. Very few of them. Um, Dora Kunyuli. I think she was just a Catholic. I don't know, but you know, there are Catholics that know God and there are Pentecostals that don't know God. I hope you know that. There are people who jump in church and shout and even wear cassock or suits and preach that don't know God. So knowledge of God is not the church you attend. But look at this woman. You can say that in this nation, she, she really didn't get her due for what she did. Because if, if we can have a chief justice that doesn't know the difference between technical and merit, and we can have a head that doesn't know the difference between building institution and structure and building edifice, and a president that is still calling West Germany, you know that such people should be presidents of Nigeria. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you see now, she's dead and gone. But her children in diverse areas are excelling. She has a daughter that her paintings are going for millions of dollars. What would you pay for that? A painting that goes for a million dollars in this time, 20 years time, will be going for hundreds of millions. Her children are receiving awards everywhere. Listen to me, people of God. We, we must recalibrate our thinking. Some of us might be going through wilderness now, but God is preparing a name for you. God is preparing a legacy for you that if you knew it, you'll be shouting every day of your life. Listen, it's not about what is seen. Unfortunately, you know, people have said in this church, we dedicate 50 cars. It's my desire that we dedicate cars, but my, I will regret if we boast in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with that. It's common. If you go to Honda Place, there are more than 50 cars. Is the Holy Ghost there? So why should the cars in church be a testimony of the Holy Ghost? You get them now. You go to, Bo I mean, I was listening to a program the other day, Brightling, the, the producers of Brightling wristwatch. They have jets that they used to fly their customers. So if you want to buy a Brightling wristwatch, they can fly you to come and see it. Is the Holy Ghost there? No, so these are things. Are you with me? These are things. And before you know it, like the wind, they pass away and nothing comes out of it. So we see David telling us, I count the thoughts. You're seated in church this morning. I want you to count the thoughts of the Lord. I want you to ask yourself, what is his plan towards me? He says, he whom he chose, he predestined. You see, when you sit back and think about the 
heart of the believer. I'm concerned for the young ladies. I don't know where are the husbands. I don't know where they've gone. I'm even concerned also for the plenty money. The other day we had governor's um, uh, 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 meeting. And we're trying to raise 300,000. I was laughing. I said there were days when we didn't raise such monies. We raised monies in millions. Praise the Lord. But you see, those days are not the issue. It is the integrity of the man that is bringing. Because he can be a thief and be bringing millions. We would rather that you're not a thief and you're bringing 50,000. Praise the Lord, somebody. Are you getting what I'm saying? But you see, there are levels that I look at, but the Holy Spirit tells me, no, don't turn that way. Because every pressure... Every experience, as long as we're in this world, that is what the world will be trying to redirect our focus to. But the Bible says we're in this world, but not of this world. So we will see those things, but we count them as nothing. And we move on. Praise the Lord, somebody. Now, now this same David, let me point you another interesting example in David's life. When David missed it, this thing that we're learning today, David missed it. In 1 Chronicles, it is recorded in 2 Samuel 24 and in 1 Chronicles. Let's take the 1 Chronicles one because there's something that I don't want us to get into this morning. 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1. The Bible says David was moved by Satan to do what? To number Israel. Now you begin to wonder, what is the big deal in numbering Israel? Continue, give me to verse 4 please. So David said to Joab and to the leaders of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, May the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are. But, my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require the sin? Why should he be a cause of guilt in Israel? Now look at, let's stop here. How, how could a census be a cause of guilt? Verse 4. Verse 4 says, Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Therefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. Okay, we stop there. Why should a census be a provocation against the Lord? Anybody here? Why should it be? Let me tell you why it should be. David understands by experience and by scripture and by the revelation of the Lord that it was not his power that killed the lion. It was not his skill that killed the bear. It was not his experience that killed Goliath. All the battles he had fought, it was not really him. That's why David was the man that if he fought a battle today, another battle came the same place, the same location the next day. He will not go out. He will ask the Lord, how shall I go? Because David understood that for every battle, it is the Lord's. Victory is who? It's the Lord's. He understood that. Now, why did kings number their armies? They number their armies to assess, to measure their strength. So David was saying to Job, let's even know how strong we are. And Job was saying to him, oh God, you go spoil something. Oh God, don't look for trouble. Oh. How, how can you want to number? He says, for the Lord your God what? is one. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is how many? One. So if you want to number the strength of Israel, the strength of Israel is what? It's one God. One God. Why are you leaving the one God who is your strength to number men that can flee at the sound of battle? So when he said on that, in fact, if you read, go home and read that story. God, God was so angry. He destroyed almost a third of Israel. And you're wondering, what was the sin? It was wrong counting. Somebody here, God is speaking a word to you. And you're counting the people. You're counting the resources. You're counting numbers. Better repent before the Lord gets angry with you. Just, he says, trust in the Lord. That's it. Trust in the Lord. He alone is all you need. The word has a saying. Say, one with God is what? <laughs> you know, it's so important. Spiritually, we are saying today, don't count what is inside. Don't count what you can see. Count the thoughts of God. Count the promise of God. Count the feelings of God. Count the promises of God. Count the direction of God. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord somebody. So, so we see David here. And, and what was it? Why was God so angry with him? Because David knew better. David knew better. He knew better. What was happening here was a moment of wavering. The Bible tells us in James 1, 5 to 8. It says a double-minded man. It said that man is unstable. It said let not that person suppose that he can receive something from the Lord. What's he saying? He say, he's saying simply... If you want to depend on me, please depend on me. 
if you want to depend or run your life the way the world runs it, then run the way the world runs it. Well, one of the things I have in as a burden, and I try to find out from the Lord, is just like every, I believe most of us, why do the wicked prosper? Why do the wicked get away with a lot of things? And the answer is simple. God taught us that principle in the parable of the unjust world. He said the children of this world are what? In their generation wiser than the sons of the kingdom. How are they wiser? Evil people don't add good to their CV. Do you understand? Evil people, they don't halfway decide, let them do a bit of good. No, now. There's nothing we won't see because, you see, the, the unbeliever does not care to add good. Now, why should you as a believer, on the path of working with God, why are you trying to add a little evil? It won't work. It won't work. Didn't our Lord Jesus Christ say, make up your mind. If you want to be hot, be what? We'll know where you are. If you're cold, we'll be praying for you to repent. But when you're double-minded, we don't know which prayer to pray for you. That's why unbelievers seem to succeed. Now, as a believer that has said, I want to honor Christ, why should you be in a system and they bring something that dishonors Christ and you fall for it? Shouldn't you just tell them you've made up your mind? Hasn't the Bible said you can choose to serve God or mammon? Why? The unbeliever has chosen to serve mammon. And any price they need to pay for mammon, they will pay. They can marry, they can reconcile, they can do anything just for mammon. Now for the believer, your life, everything about you should be to the glory of God. If you miss that at any point, you lose a lot of points. You lose standing. And that's what happens to us. Because they now come and try to tell you how you will benefit if you compromise a bit. Now, compromise is simply bringing or causing disrepute to the name of your God. Compromise is not about us. Who are we? Praise the Lord. It's about the one by whom we are called. It's about the one by whom we are named. So the unbelievers, they they don't have problem. They decide a path, whatever it takes, they push it on that path. But the believers oftentimes don't understand the value. So, and why is this so? Primarily because of wrong nursery education. The Christian must know that the testimony he has is the testimony that God has of him. What men say about you is immaterial. It's not easy for you to take that word, Abby. But you know what? Until you get to the point where you just don't care what people say. You care about only what? What God. If you, until you get to that point, you've not begun to understand it. You know why? Because the unbeliever does not care about what God says. He's only trying to create for himself a name for himself. But you are different. Now, if you're supposed to run in the opposite direction and you're running mixed, imagine running a race where you, you are confused. Is it 100 meters or 1,000 meters I'm running? How will you, which of the races will you win? You have to decide. Praise the Lord, somebody. You have to decide. So we see in the scriptures very clear, clear principles that help us as believers. Because these are the things that influence our thinking. They are the background of the choices we make. There are young people that are here now. And you're growing up, you have friends, you interact with people. Men, some are born again, some are not born again. And you people chat. What is ultimate in your mind? As a young man, before I got born again, I had one plan. To become great. And I had a target. To make money. You know, to have investments here and there. Okay? But the born again Christian cannot have that. The Bible says, do not lay up for yourself treasures. Where thieves steal. Where moth and rot destroy. Say, but rather do what? Lay up for yourself what? Treasures in heaven. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean you will make money? No, you will make money. But the goal of your pursuit is the kingdom. So if I'm pursuing money, I'm pursuing money to help me to be rich in heaven. So if I'm pursuing money and in the process it's going to cost my glory in heaven, what should I do? I jump and pass. 
Are you with me? And if I now have that mind to heaven, then all the things that are wealth and are valuable in heaven will begin to come into play in my thinking. Now the Bible says, he that winneth souls is what? Is wise. So as a young person, I want to see how do I win souls? And you know that young people like excellence. Young people like, you know, uh, academic brilliance. So if I were in school now as a young person, I wouldn't just study to make a good grade for myself. I'll study to make a good grade for a good testimony. So that people can listen to me better. Because if I appeared and said I had taught class, except I'm beginning to share testimony that even though I had taught class, Dangote still employed me to drive their car. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a background to thinking. But if I'm thinking that I'll glorify God there, then I'm going to read the story about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm going to come into that environment and decide that God will be glorified in my life. And whatever it will take, I will give it. And God backing me, it will become true. And then they will now come and ask me, oh boy, what is the reason for this? I'll say, sit down. Because it is what? The Lord's doing and it is marvelous. So it's a background thinking. Come with me to Philippians chapter 3. The apostle Paul was giving us a bit, you know, about his life then. And he was saying some things that are very fundamental. You know, we, we read some of these things and we think they are exclusively for Paul. No, they are not exclusively for Paul. They are for every believer. From verse 3, Paul is saying here, Say, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and what? Have no confidence in the flesh. Do you know what that means? We bless God, you know, for good English. We bless God for looking, you know, beautiful, dressing well and all of that. But he said, I will never count it an advantage. I can't even rely on it. He goes on. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I am also circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law. He said, blameless. But look at seven. He said, but what things were gained to me, these I have what? Counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost. Why? For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. People of God, what's the Apostle Paul saying here? He's saying simply what Jesus taught us in the two parables in Matthew 13, 45 and 45. Very short parables, but very beautiful. And, you know, succinct parables. Matthew 13, 44 and 45. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, what did he do? He goes and sells part of what he has. He sells what? All that he has. Until the kingdom, sir, until the kingdom man, Cost you, you're ready to lay down everything you have for this kingdom. You've not understood what it's about. And until you get there, the devil will be shortchanging you. It's like those days when they send children, you know, to go and buy things. You give the child, those days, maybe 15 hour note. A wicked uncle will meet the person and say, we are going to buy what? Say biscuit. He say, let me see the money you have, 15. Say, ah, paper. Let me give you coin. He collects the 15 hour and gives the child 10 cobalt coin. And the child is feeling that he's made a good deal. You know why? He never knew the value of the 15 naira. Many Christians are like that. We don't know the value of the kingdom. I told you here many, I can't remember many months ago, I was listening to a preacher who was preaching about Joseph's promotion. And he was telling the people, claim Joseph's favor, claim Joseph's favor. I said, man, what, is in, what favor did Joseph have? Your brother Sally, is that favor? Eh? You come into a house as houseboy. Do you think they rigged that election to become number one houseboy? That means he slept last. He woke up earliest. He worked hardest. Remember, he didn't have to know the language. So he must have also learned the language to be able to understand. This man suffered injustice. Or rather, this boy. Labored and toiled. Okay? And then final step of what brought him to the place of promotion was that he fled iniquity. If you want to teach people how to enter Joseph's promotion, teach them to flee from iniquity. And do you know what? People cannot flee from that type of iniquity until they see what the kingdom is. Brethren, do you know what was at stake for Joseph? 
We said it here. Potiphar was the chief executioner. He was the Mustafa. He was the one who is point and kill. What's their point? Do you understand? Now, you want to enter Potiphar's trouble. It's like choosing death. But you see, he made a statement. He said, I cannot commit this sin. What? He, he didn't say, I can't commit it against Potiphar. He didn't say, I can't commit it against you, man. Ah, madam, how can I touch you? No. He said, all of you. <laughs> Nothing. But Jehovah, why? It was identification and what? Quantification. He said, this trouble that I'll enter with you and Potiphar is nothing compared to the one I will enter with what? The creator of the heavens and the earth. So rather I will run. Do you, have you run naked before? You know, we read the Bible, we don't understand. If someone is naked here, he will go under this table. You won't move. He ran outside naked. You know the shame? Somebody came to church today and there's a choice for you to make. If you're a believer and you want to count the stars, better make a wise choice. We are not joking here. Praise the Lord. Christianity is not a joke. Don't mind those who fool you. It's not how much I blow on you that will determine your blessing. No. God loves you more than any pastor can love you. God wants to bless you more than any prophet can want to bless you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? God has a future. He's your father. The best I can be is your brother. Are you getting what I'm saying? And he has plans for you. So when the temptation comes, when the moment comes, and we call it temptation, but we can also call it promotional exam. We call it temptation. Maybe we should stop calling it temptation. Because every time such a thing occurred in the scripture, we saw that it led to their promotion. But those who don't understand how to count. So James taught us. He said, count it all joy. When you fall into what? Trials and what? Can you see? So you can see. Anybody here, if they said, um, we, we need you, uh, sister, sister Mary, we need you. We, please, we want to do, Mary, you, you. Uh, no, I didn't say she. Okay, you can stand up. Say, Mary, please, come, you're going to do a test, you know, on hairdressing. We're looking for those who are going to be dressing. Is it Megan's hair? Megan is the, is the royal prince, princess. Will you be crying? Won't it be an honor? They want to test me to see whether they can use me to become royal hairdresser. You'll be dancing as you go home. Praise the Lord. Amen. Take your seat. Now, it says count it all what? But when trials come our way, what do we count it? Wahala. You know, I think it was Peter or James that said something. He said, arm yourself with this mindset. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. You're going on. I've told you the story how, the, was it the first day or the second time when we're going to drive to, I can't remember which, whether it was the first time we were coming to Abuja or the time we were driving to. We started our car. It was a Mercedes parked in the garage. I don't know how it happened. Or, no, it was um, the young lady we were living with. Went and, you know, the, you know those uh, remote controls that can start the car. It wasn't automatic. So she started the car and the car jumped and hit the wall inside the garage and destroy the front of the car. Now, there are two ways to look at it. God is saying, don't go to Abuja. Bad omen. Praise the Lord. But the other way could be, the devil don't fall for ground. Macham, macham. Because I wasn't going to Abuja for a car show. I was going to Abuja to do the will of God. So, car stopping, and that was the smallest. Oh, are you ready for a story today? That was the smallest. When we set on that journey, I think that was the day we were going by air. Now, when we are now driving with the same car to Abuja, by your way, you know those people that say something is born and something is born? They stopped us. On that express, they brought down our engine. <laughs> but they're better than kidnappers, though. I think those people should resume, let kidnappers go. <laughs> you know? Ba, 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 brought down engine. Johnny that we left 6 a.m. We, we got into Abuja the next day. There was nothing we didn't see on the road. We saw a bridge that was this size. If you're driving on it, you see water here, you see bush here. There's nothing we didn't see. We got into Abuja. Our house was robbed how many times? Two times in a space of months. Now, all of that, you can count it as wahala. You can count it as trouble. But James taught us how to do identification and what? Quantification. And he says, count it, what? All 
joy. In that period, my wife was sick for almost the whole period. You know, there was no type of troubles everywhere, troubles everywhere. But you see, God has said, get up from Lagos and go to Abuja and do this work. You know, we read the Bible and sometimes we can, I don't know how to just preach this thing. Let me conclude. People of God, don't call it conspiracy. What the world calls a conspiracy. You're not, you're, you're a believer. When things happen in your life, for you, against you, whatever, ask God, what is the interpretation? Are you hearing me? Listen, listen, it's basic. It's basic. I just have to, you know, I don't know how to further communicate it. James said, count it all joy. Joy that what happened? Count it all joy. Many years ago, we preached the message here, the blessedness of nothingness. Listen to me. Whatever and wherever you are today, as a child of God, believing God, serving God, is the best place you should be. God is almighty. There is nothing he cannot turn around. Let me show you a scripture as I try to round up. Numbers 31. Please, when you go home, you can read this. Numbers 31 from verse 1 to 49, but I need only 49. The message I have for somebody here is the Christian, the born-again Christian, who fervently pursues the will of God, the desire of God in his life, whether as a single lady, as a married lady, as a businessman, as a single man, as a career person, who fervently is pursuing the kingdom of God, resisting the devil, submitting to God's word, you know, not allowing himself to be distracted. Let me tell you your count. There was a war that Israel fought against the Midianites. And the Lord said, go and count the men that went to the war. And this was the report that came. They came back and they said to Moses, everybody help me read it. Your servants have taken a count of the men of war who are under command. And what? Not a man of us is missing. Let me tell you, the righteous, the Bible says the path of the righteous is as well. As the shining light, it shines brighter. I fear my generation because the righteous are being discouraged that they don't have money. They are being discouraged that they don't have husband. They are being discouraged that they don't have twins. Listen to me, all those things, even animals have them. How can it be what God will be using to measure his faithfulness? He said, when your story is concluded, you will look around and see that not one good thing. Joshua said, not one good thing that the Lord has promised me has failed. Let's rise up on our feet and begin to bless the Lord. Because I count well. I'm counting the stars. I'm not counting what is in my household. I'm counting the thoughts of the Lord. How great is your loving kindness towards me. And great is the sum of them. This morning, somebody needs to think to himself. What is God thinking of me? What is the plan of God? What is the purpose of God? What is the counsel of God? Who is at work in my life? Who is the one? Who is the one? Who is the one? I didn't win this. I didn't win that. I didn't get that. No. The God we serve is intentional. The God we serve is purposeful. The God we serve is dependable. He said, look, lift up your eyes. This morning, I bring a word to you. Child of God, lift up those eyes. You have been seven years in that place. You have been six years and you're crying, Lord, where are you? He said to you this morning, lift up your eyes. For your descendants shall be great. The promise, the work I've started in your life. It says, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. Not one word. I want you to talk to the Lord here. I want you to, this is not, I'm not, don't look to me. Every promise, everything you have committed into his hands. Tell him, Lord, I'm counting your thoughts. I'm counting your word. I'm counting your promises. I'm counting your faithfulness. Yes, your faithfulness. Yes, your faithfulness. I see you beyond what eyes can see. I see you by the help of the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see. Begin to see the promises of God. Begin to see the mercy of God. Begin to see the gentleness of God. Begin to see the direction of the Lord. The psalmist said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Somebody here, you're going through something right now, but it is good for you because it's to help you to navigate and to recalculate and to align to what God has for you. I bet you God is thinking good thoughts. Count your stars. 
I need you to talk to the Lord. The songwriter would have sang for you and said, count your blessings and name them one by one. But that's not my message for you today. I've come to you today to say, if you can count the stars, if you can count his faithfulness, if you can count the one who did not withhold his only son, Jesus, but gave him up freely. If you can count the one who began the good work in your life. If you can count it, the one who said to you, go ahead on this journey. The one who said to you, surrender your life to me. The one who said, trust in me. The one who gave you those children. The one who gave you that bad. He is able. He's able. He's able. He's more than able. He's more than faithful. He's dependable. He is trustworthy. He's reliable. He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. Paul said, I count everything nonsense. I count it dumb for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, I'm into something. I'm into something. Something is going to happen. He said, there is a crown for me. There is a joy for me. There is rejoicing for me. There is a future for me. There is a blessing for me. I may not be able to show it to my neighbors. I may not be able to show it to my friends. I may not be able to show it to you, sir. But he says, God, if I come and count and put together the thoughts of the Lord, how precious are his thoughts towards me. I want us today as a church, I want us to bless the Lord, not for just the things we can see, but the thoughts, the mighty things, glorious things, beautiful things, wonderful things, the future, the path that is taking us through. The psalmist said, I thank you for the trial. I thank you for the difficulties. I thank you for the pain. I thank you for the refusal. For those who said no, I thank you for each and every one of them. Because in them, I could see your hand. 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 Father, we are blessing you. My God, I'm worshipping you. I'm worshipping you. I'm rejoicing in you. We started by saying rejoice, rejoice. Lord, I'm rejoicing in you. I'm rejoicing in you. I'm rejoicing in you because of who you are. Because of the type of God you are. You are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my praise. I thank you. I'm in a good place. It's good for me because my God is good. Where I am now is good. Whatever is happening because the Bible says in all things, I should say thank you. And I'm thanking you. Why? Because he has a plan. Father, we bless you. Lord, I bless you. Lord, I bless you. Lord, I bless you. Listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www. At the Father's Church Online.org. God bless you.